Welcome to episode three of season three of Kenny and the Coaches. So far this season, I've had some really good guests on the podcast, and this episode doesn't drop off at all. Today, I visit with Norman North head football coach Justin Jones, and here's our conversation. All right, Coach, thanks for taking time to visit with me a little bit. I know we kind of had, you know, the postpone and reschedule, but it's it's nice to finally get to visit with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You know, I always enjoy uh, being able to do this and listen to the podcast and, and, and the guests that you have on, so uh, I'm excited to do it. Cool, cool. That's the question I always ask at the beginning. Who were some of the people that influenced you to become a coach? You know, I, looking back at I, uh, it's, it's a little bit different for me because I didn't grow up, uh, you know, in a family of coaches. And so this is kind of a, mm-hmm. a career path that I started on my own. But I, I go all the way back to, uh, you know, really when I, I played high school football, uh, Coach Styles and, and a guy named John Burris were uh, very instrumental um, in, in, and uh, loved me up and, and really kind of got me passionate for the game. Uh, Mike Robertson and John Holler um, were guys that uh, when I was in high school that were influential and then. You know, obviously went on and, and was fortunate enough to play college football and played for uh, uh, Coach Howard at UCO and uh, mm-hmm. Dwayne Dirk, who, who was my defensive coordinator. Um, you know, and then really I think in the coaching aspect, when I came back and started uh, my, my career off at Westmore, uh, Coach Mike Whaley uh, was was mm-hmm. a huge uh, influence on, on me as, as a coach and, and who I am today. Um, on that staff, we had um, – Larry Latimer, um, who, who was all over the state and has, has since passed, but he was a big influence for me. Uh, Jason Milo, um, and then um, a guy that, that's also passed, uh, uh, Ron Taylor, um, who was, um, you know, kind of took me under his wing. But those are the guys that really influenced me and, and grew me uh, as a young coach. And then, you know, I really think along the way you, you develop some other mentors and uh um, you know, Kyle White is a good, good friend of mine and bounced a lot of ideas off of. But then, you know, really all the coaches I've been able to meet uh, through the Football Coaches Association uh, have all, you know, played a part in who I am as a coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, – I kind of followed that same path. I didn't really have anyone in my family that was a coach. I just kind of almost the same, same kind of trajectory there. I mean, I – was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play college football, and it was one of those things I I didn't finish it out. I mean, I was one of those one wasn't mentally tough enough. I've done a lot of interviews with coaches and former players in college, and I always like talking about that mental aspect of how a lot of kids aren't prepared for that next level. But it was one of those things where I quit playing it, but it wasn't out of my system, and it was like, man, I, I love this game so much, and want to be able to give back to it some in some way, and that was kind of how the coaching eventually came into it, but. Um, talk a little bit about the OFBCA. You kind of mentioned that a little bit, and what what it is that you guys do, and kind of what your involvement is in it. <clears throat> yeah, so I've, I've been involved with the Oklahoma Football Coaches Association for probably uh, sixteen, going on seventeen years. Um, you know, I really started um, as a as a region rep, and uh, Jason Milo at the time was uh, was the president, and, and I was a, a young assistant, and. and uh, he got me kind of on the path of, of getting involved. And that was something that, you know, when I worked for Coach Whaley, he always encouraged us uh, to get involved in our associations, whether it was the Coach Association or the Football Coach Association. But, um, you know, I spent two years as a region rep. And then, um, you know, just through my work with them and the, and the networking, they, they asked me to uh, run for the executive board. And so 
I was able to become, you know, secretary, kind of matriculated through to be president and uh, fell in love with the organization and uh, mm -hmm. fell in love with what we're about. And then um, really a year after my presidency in 2019, uh, the executive board at the time uh, made a decision that they wanted to have an executive director. And, and uh, I applied for it and, and uh, was, was uh, blessed enough to to receive that. And so I've been the executive director for the last five years. And, uh, it's been, um, it's been an awesome experience for me on a personal level. Uh, but from a, a holistic standpoint and from a state level, um, our organization does, a, does a lot, but, mm -hmm. but really what our mission is, is to advance the game of football. And, uh, you know, I, what was it, you know, about 10 years ago, um, you know, and really since then football's been under attack from from a variety of different uh, avenues but mm -hmm. you know whether it was contact limits or cte um you know now we're dealing with um you know classification issues uh mm -hmm. at every level especially in our small schools in, in the way that um you know the ossa had things set up but you know what the what the association does is really uh it's it's a, a bargaining power with the ossa to to create change um, the other thing I think we do within our organization is we're trying to advance the game, right? Which means we've got to grow coaches and we've got to ensure that we have um, coaches uh, in our state. And, and that's tough when you look at teacher shortages and, and obviously a lot of people that go south of the border into neighboring states to uh, create a better situation for themselves. We had to find a way to, to water our own grass and make it greener here. And, and so we've done a variety of things in our organization. Uh, you know, we just launched this year our 35 under 35 to uh, mm -hmm. kind of honor our uh, young coaches, um, you know, scholarship opportunities for journeyman coaches and also coaches kids, um, you know, and, and then trying to make just, just little things better. The All-State game, um, you know, the way that we select All-State and, and just being a voice for for our coaches in our state. Yeah, I was I was thinking as you were kind of going over, uh, like the long, the length of time you've been involved. I bet probably even just like the the past five years has been very uh, busy for you guys. I mean, like just this coming up season, uh, the twenty four season. You know, we've got the basically the three <clears throat> the three class being split, and I mean the the transfer rule is coming into effect. I mean how. How uh, busy have you guys been just even in this past year? Well, we've been incredibly busy. And, and you know, the one thing that we've learned uh, through our association and our work with the OSSA and, and really other stakeholders, which are superintendents and, uh, you know, athletic directors across our state is, um, you know, to, to create change, right, it's not going to be instantaneous. And so you have mm -hmm. to have a little bit of resiliency and you got to have uh, some patience and, you uh, that's one of the things I, I think you look at our association and why there's an executive director. Um, um, it allows us to, you know, in the past, we always change leadership every four years, right? You'd have mm -hmm. a president, he would go off and, and you know, then it was kind of like, you know, you're stuck in this visual cycle of, of education that we're already in where, you know, you implement new, uh, new uh, programs, you implement new policy, and then it changes every other year, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we wanted to prevent that. And so, um, you know, for us, it's uh, it's having some some long term vision of what we feel like we need in this state, making sure that uh, all coaches uh, from every level, not just the 6A level or the 5A level, but also the class B, C and, and A levels are heard. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it's being strategic about our plan, about how we bring about change in, in um, uh, 
unfortunately, it's not just going to the table. We, we get one opportunity with the OSSA a year uh, to meet with those guys. Our relationship has increased and been more positive over the last five or six years mm-hmm. uh, with them. But, you know, I, I think for us, it, it's, there, there's some major uh, leaders in, in, in our association. Um, you know, Lynn Shackelford uh, has been huge and, and been a big part of, of helping uh, move the needle force. And, uh, you know, but I, I think my, my answer to your question is, is, is extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the big thing that you have to have with that is you've got to have some um, resiliency and a, a competitive spirit that you're going to eventually bring change. You just got to keep plugging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I from the I've never been involved in OFBCA, but I mean, I always, I always, every time I, you always hear people complaining about this, that, or the other with 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 football. You know, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And I'm like, a lot of times it's. You know, they're kind of. You guys are almost a little bit at the mercy of what the OSSAA will will kind of negotiate with you, with the OFBCA. You know, and it's kind of. I always <clears throat> tell people, not fellow coaches, but just kind of people from the outside, like, hey, those guys are working for us. You know, it's not like they're, uh, you know, sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They are really trying to, like you said, progress the game. And I and I do believe in in the past five years, football is. Football in Oklahoma, high school football in Oklahoma has really kind of taken uh, leaps and bounds in the right direction. So, I mean, yeah. I do think you guys, you, you guys do do a great job of looking out for well, all of us. I appreciate that. You know, it, it's always a challenge. I, I think every two years, you know, when we have to go through redistricting, that's always uh, <laughs> yeah. the biggest challenge for us because – you know, you look at, are we going to balance power? Are we going to go off of geography? And, you know, one thing I've learned from this position is we can't please everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to do our best to serve everybody. Um, but but at the end of the day, we, we have to do what is best for that current, uh, that current cycle. And mm-hmm. I don't think everybody will ever see eye to eye on that. But uh, mm-hmm. I just... I do want coaches to know that we work extremely hard to try to make it fair for for as many as we can. Yeah, now, let, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about a little bit about Norman North football. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about Norman North football. I mean, it's kind of like to me, it's one of those uh, <clears throat> kind of. Oh, I mean, that you guys are an upper echelon program, and since you've gotten there, you guys have just gotten better and better year after year. Kind of tell us a little bit about the tradition and, and what Norman North football is. Well, you know, number one, uh, it's a great place. Uh, it's a place that I feel, um, you know, in a multi-school district, you have your challenges. But I, I think Norman North in, in Norman Public Schools has a, a great vision for what we want. Um, and, and there's been great alignment. And it's tough when you look at, at big schools because when you look at alignment, um, you know, number one, it starts with your superintendent and, and your district leadership. But then another key piece to that is the principal that you have in your building. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I work for a great lady, uh, Dr. Kim Garrett, who uh, shares and has a heart for athletics. And I think, number one, we, we've, we've got the, uh, the administration uh, aligned correctly. Um, and then number two, uh, we've got great kids and, and we're a tradition uh, program, you know, we're a fairly new school. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the first football season was 1998, um, but since then, um, you know, I, I think they went through five or six years of, of some growing pains, but have really had some incredible talent. You know, mm-hmm. I, I saw a graphic the other day, um, not just for football for Norman North, but you know, at one point in time, you had Trey Young, you had Lindy Waters, you had Drake Stoops, you had yeah. Isaac Stoops, you had Charlie Kolar, uh, you had George Kittle at, at Norman High, so you had some incredible talent. 
um, that that was in the city. And, yeah. uh, you know, that that's neat. I think having the University of Oklahoma here, we're always going to have, um, you know, some coaches, kids and some pedigree kids that uh, come through our building. Um, you know, but I think for me, the, the, the biggest thing that we've really focused on, um, you know, the last, I guess, in my tenure in the six years is creating a, a, a family environment and, you uh, um, uh, you know, really taking pride in, in our city and in, in who we are. And um, you got to do that because you're competing against some really good football schools, uh, yeah. you know, north of us and, and certainly some really good football schools east of us. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> talking a little bit about family, how, how big of a transition, transition was it for you and your family to come over from Bishop McGinnis? I mean, like I said, you, you left a program that you really did a lot of great things at. And, I mean, surely when you got to Norman North, you knew it was – I, I don't know if it was a rebuilding, but I mean, you can kind of tell it was kind of a drop off from, you know, your first year there. But like I said, and you've built it up and up and up. How big of a uh, transition was that for you and your family? Um, it, it, it was it was pretty, um, you know, I think the first couple of years were tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I, I was at a job at, at Bishop McGinnis that I never thought I would leave. A yeah. Great people, uh, great community. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a faith guy and, and I believe God has a calling in a direction that he, uh, has set for me. And I, I felt like I was called to, to go to Norman North. Um, it checked all the boxes and, and there was just a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can really go back to our state championship game in 2017 when we were walking off the field. I just had a feeling that that was probably my last game at, at uh, Bishop McGinnis and, mm-hmm. uh, didn't know why at the time, but, uh, you know, then the, the, the Norman North kind of pops on the radar there that off season, and, uh, you know, kind of took a leap of faith there. But it was one of the things my my wife and I had always talked about. Um, you know, McGinnis is great, but, but there's some different feeder patterns, and, and you don't really get true alignment, you know, K through 12, because it's mm-hmm. a, a ninth through 12th grade school. And yeah. we wanted a place that our kids could be completely uh, immersed within – um, the school that we were going to be going to and that they were going to graduate from. And so I think that was a, a big key for us of moving to Norman North and, and something that, uh, you know, we eventually wanted to live in the same town in, uh, that, that I worked at and, and our kids were going to go to school. And that was a challenge there at, at Bishop McGinnis just with the housing and stuff, uh, you know, surrounding the immediate area. And, you know, I, I've, we've since, uh, moved to Norman North, we've, we've got a house that's exactly one mile from the school. And, and so uh, we've been able to, to really plant some roots here and establish this as not just a community that I work in, but a community that we live in as well. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, you said that about, you know, almost basing your decision on, on faith. It's kind of, it, it's neat how that works out, isn't it? I mean, it's like every move I've ever made, you know, changing, I've changed schools uh, two, two times. And it was just like, like you were saying, you were walking off the field of state championship game. You just, you kind of knew that that was it. And you, whenever you finally find that other place, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. If, if, if it's, you know, if you pray about it and you feel like you've gotten that answer, you're going to feel every move I've made, I've felt comfortable. And even people from the outside would be like, are you sure that's the right move? You sure you want to do that? And I'm like, I, I know. You just know. You have that feeling. You have that uh, sense of, calm about making that decision i think that's huge yeah a hundred percent i mean there, there's just a uh uh it's hard to describe there's yeah. a peace that comes over you when you when, yes. you're, when you finally settle that decision and, and you know the one thing i've learned from the moves that i've 
been a part of is, is that, uh, you know, it's just like we tell our kids all the time, right? Don't listen to the noise and, and trust mm-hmm. your gut and your heart. And yep. um, I, I think it will always lead you the right way. Now, that's kind of shift gears to kind of the, the game itself. I mean, how do you feel like summer pride? Because I know it seems like it has evolved over the years a lot. How do you feel like summer pride has changed high school programs? Well, it, it's huge for us. Um, you know, I, I think back, you know, kind of when I was – uh, coming through and, and even before that, you know, really summers were, were dedicated to, to, to kids, right? And, and you mm-hmm. got to be a kid and, yeah. and work and do all those things. And, you you, you know, the weight rooms were kind of open, but, you know, it was voluntary. And, and you know, I, I think the game has become such a, a competitive uh, nature and really all athletics. It's not just football. It's, it's mm-hmm. really everything. Um, but summer pride is a crucial piece. And I think with – um, the education level of, of coaches now with, with, with social media and uh, the internet and, and just being able to uh, be more educated about how we train athletes, uh, the science behind that um, and, and why you need uh, those crucial foundational months to, to build a, a team and athlete safety, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, getting guys in and getting con- conditioned and uh, prepared for you know those dog days of summer I think are, are huge and uh, you know I, I think the other thing that's important about summer pride and where it's evolved for for me is that's a, a huge piece to us uh, establishing the team bonds and the relationships that we need you know you're, you're mm-hmm. not under the pressure of the day-to-day school day uh, for your kids um, they're able to come in and really focus on uh, the team. They're really able to focus on themselves and making themselves the best versions of that they can be, but also, um, you know, building that team. And, and that's really where I think for us, uh, Summer Pride has evolved. Um, you know, I, I also think we've changed, you know, used to, uh, you know, you had the county fairs and, and you were just coming in and trying to get kids tired <laughs> more than <laughs> yeah. anything, right? <laughs> yeah. um, now, now there's a little bit more science behind it in, 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 or a lot more science behind it for our program, but you know, now we're actually trying to build programs and we have, uh, you know, some, some different phases that we go through with, with how we're preparing our athletes to kind of crescendo into, um, you know, obviously opening the season up, but, uh, it, it's, it's been a huge piece for, for me. Um, you know, and, and it's a little bit different, you know, I'll go back to my time at Woodward. Um, Woodward was a, a rural community, um, you know, a bigger town, but, but still a rural community where a lot mm-hmm. of your kids were working on, you know, they were either working, you know, uh, on the farm or, or they were working, um, uh, to try to help pay bills for the family. And, and so you didn't have as much, um, participation in the summer where you know at norman north you know we're we're setting at 98 to 100 percent participation each summer and uh but those are those are crucial times and they're crucial to uh our development of as a program yeah yeah i mean it's uh, you were kind of talking about that the county fair it kind of you know you still kind of there's a still a lot of at small school level you still have kind of a lot of guys that are in that same kind of mindset of we just need to wear them out wear them out and it's I've seen the um, oh I can't remember what the program's called now I had it in my head but I forgot it's too early in the morning for me but uh, it was a it's a thing where you just kind of focus on doing smaller reps at higher rates of speed you know yeah it's just like in the cats yeah yes 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 that that's exactly what it is and it's like a you know <laughs> I remember when we first kind of implemented that at at, an, at another school it was like 
some of the older coaches were like, this ain't working. You know, they're not tired <laughs> enough, you know, but it really does. I mean, we, we never, we didn't see any real conditioning problems with that. It just goes against everything you were taught as a younger coach, you know, but yep. it does, it is. I, I, I love it. You know, and I think the kids kind of, they don't realize they're working as hard as they are, you know, <clears throat> I, I think it's with anything, you know, for things to change, it takes gener- it, it's generational change, right? And I think yes. it's the same thing for coaching and, and the approach. And, you know, one of the things I I, uh, I tell our assistant coaches all the time and when I'm hiring them, you know, I, I uh, um, you don't always want to be coached like you were coached, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's not a knock to, to those guys because they were doing what was right, um, you know, in their era. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think with anything, you've got to grow and you've got to adapt and you've got to change with the times. And uh, we're much more um, educated now than what we've ever been. And, and uh, if you're not looking at data and if you're not looking at the science behind it, uh, then I think you're going to end up falling behind. And so I think that's a, a crucial piece. Absolutely. Now, how would you compare Oklahoma high school football to other states? Because it seems like, oh, I, I can't remember when – Oklahoma kind of started the uh, like in the beginning of the season, the bigger schools playing other states. But it was like I remember when I would watch those, I'd be like, well, you know, I'm glad Oklahoma's in it, but or whatever school it was, but they're going to get killed by whoever they play in Texas or whoever they play in Arkansas. But it just seems like anymore, those teams, it seems like there's not that big of a separation in between the teams. And a lot of times, Oklahoma teams will win those games. How do you kind of see? Uh, how would you compare the the game in Oklahoma to other states? Well, I, I think we play football at a very high level, and, mm-hmm. and you know the litmus test for me is when I when I have the ability to have coaches come in, uh, college coaches from all across the United States recruiting our athletes, and you know one of the things that, that they've talked about really in the last four or five years is just how Oklahoma's kind of a a hidden gem and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good talent here there's a lot of good football players there's a lot of uh good football programs and i think you're noticing that uh the amount of division one talent coming out of oklahoma has increased in the last five or six years and Mm -hmm. i think that's a credit to uh, again it's a credit to the coaches here in our state it's a credit to um you know the administrations in our state but you know through the the coaches association i've had the ability um you know i got to to go out to arizona and watch their state championships uh because they played uh you know later than we did one year and and was kind of looking at some things and got to see that football and then to you know got to see arkansas and and play some arkansas teams and and, uh you know i I think we play a high level of football. Obviously, when you look at Texas and in, in, in Florida and Georgia and California, um, you know they 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 play a, a really good style of football too. But I would put Oklahoma up there with with, with a bunch, especially the, up, the the top echelon teams that we have. You know, um, you know, right now what the gold standard I guess in Oklahoma is Bixby, and, and there's no doubt that that Coach Montgomery and his his team could go all across the United States and play a national schedule and be competitive uh, no matter who they were playing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I'll kind of shifting gears a little bit more. How, how do you see, and this might even go back to the your involvement in OFBCA, or just, I mean, it involves you, it, it pertains to you too as far as a head coach. How do you see the the upcoming transfer rule affecting football this coming year? Because it's going to be the – well, I guess softball will be the first sport it might affect. But, I mean, I think more people will be looking at it, you know, who's transferring where, blah, 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 blah. But how do you see that that rule kind of affecting football? Well, 
first of all, I, I want to start by, you know, when this first came out, I don't, I don't know that uh, uh, when it was passed by the OSSA board that there was a lot of, um, there wasn't anything on paper that said what you could and couldn't do. And so mm-hmm. I think immediately a lot of people thought this was just opening Pandora's box of you could go anywhere you wanted and, and there was really going to be zero uh uh, boundaries to it and, and guardrails and mm-hmm. I really after reading the rule that that's in place I, I, I don't think it's going to affect uh, us as much as what we think um, but I do think it is going to change a little bit you know mm-hmm. and, and from the standpoint that um, there's always been transfers going on right if you look at the Tulsa Metroplex uh, yeah. every year there's uh, transfers if you look uh, in the Oklahoma City metro area uh, there's always been uh, uh, transfers, especially in multi-school districts, as long as they stay within the district. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this rule, um, it is going to create some some uh, mobility for uh, students, especially in, um, in 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 the metroplexes. You know, I, I don't know that's going to affect rural schools as much as what it would. Uh, uh, you know, metro schools just because of a driving radius to still get to school and those types of things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I do think one of the unintended consequences is it may hurt some some urban schools. It may hurt, uh, you know, some, some schools like Oklahoma City Public Schools. It may hurt, you know, the Tulsa Public Schools just because there's a, a little bit more uh, freedom now for, uh, for a student that lives within a 20, 30-minute radius to – to go to a school that they feel like or their parents feel like is better for them. Um, you know, and so uh, that's going to happen. I, I think from a coaching perspective, we're going to have to be very careful that uh, we're not recruiting athletes. I think that's yeah. a, uh, something that's going to be, uh, um, you know, especially as this, this rule becomes implemented this year and the following year, I think you're going to see some coaches that, uh, you know, could potentially uh, get in trouble and, mm-hmm. and face some sanctions because of, uh, because it's so easy with with social media and 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 Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and I don't even know if that's the coaches that are going to be doing that as much as it'll be athletes reaching out to those coaches. Um, yeah. But I think you know anything that's got a paper trail is going to be subject to a sanction, and coaches are going to have to be real real careful with it. Um, you know, but I, I don't know that it's going to change as much as what we we think it's going to change. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've heard. Um other coaches from other places, you know, kind of mentioned that it's going to be almost like the transfer portal in, in college football anymore. I just, I just honestly believe if you have a, I've, I've thought and thought about this. I think if you just have a program that's successful, that, you know, if it, even if you're in, in a program that you're trying to build things up, if I think coaches really just need to focus on be coaching your program. You know, if kids want to come in, that's great. If kids want to leave, they weren't for your program, you know. They weren't for what you're preaching. So I I, I just kind of look at it as, I mean, it's kind of been going on anyway. I mean, people, kids have been leaving. You know, it's probably more magnified in smaller schools because there's not as many kids. You know, if you if a star athlete leaves a small school, it's going to be noticed, you know. But I, I just kind of think the coach, I always, I've been kind of thinking that coaches just kind of need to just calm down and just, you know, not – freak out when July 1st gets here and, you know, you're not calling your kids that you think are going to leave and be like, Hey, are you leaving? You know, just, just coach your programs, you know? Just. Well, I, I totally agree. I, I think number one, you've got to, uh, I think you win way more games with, uh, with guys that uh, are, are truly bought into what, 
what your program is in the Absolutely. Uh, the, the town that they play for, I think still means something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yep. and, and you know, you look at, at some of these colleges that that with the transfer portal and, and rebuilding these rosters. I mean, you look at uh, Colorado last year. You look at USC the year before. Uh, you know, you win more games. You don't. You don't win a lot of games with mercenaries, right? Um, yeah. Mike Tomlin has a great quote when he was with the Steelers, and it sets on my office wall. And one of the things he always tells his team um, before they open up their uh, their their camp there at Pittsburgh is he says, "I want I want uh, volunteers, not hostages." Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, his one. belief is that he's going to win a lot more games with guys that want to be there than guys that are always looking for the next thing. And mm-hmm. I, I think athletes have to be careful with the transfer thing too, right? Yeah. Um, especially from a high school level. Uh, high school recruiting has changed, and, and with the the college transfer portal, there's not as many high school guys going. Um, to the next level on scholarships. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, that our high school athletes have to be aware of is that they get a reputation of moving around and why as a college coach, would I want a guy that's moved high schools three times? Why would I want to invest money in him knowing that he, mm-hmm. if, if, if not everything's right for him, that he's going to be in the portal looking for the next school uh, the next year. So I think they've got to be careful with that as well. Yeah. Uh, coach, I got, I always ask these three questions at the end, but I got, I got one more for you before we get to that. When it's, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when it's time for you to hang it up, what, what would you want your players and, uh, you know, players and former players to remember about you? Uh, number one, that, that, uh, I worked, uh, as hard as I could to, to create the best environment and experience for them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my belief is that, uh, um, you know, I want to be consistent. I want to be like the sun, right? I want to rise and fall the same way every day. And I want to be the guy that, uh, you know, works incredibly hard to serve our student athletes. Um, but they look back and they say, man, that coach was in my corner. That coach mm-hmm. uh, had my best interest at heart in all the decisions, whether they were tough decisions that he had to make or not. Uh, he was always there for me. And uh, I think that's uh, one of the things I look, especially when you look at male role models, um, that may be lost, right? But I, mm-hmm. I think that's important that we have coaches that uh, still teach our young men that uh, um, it's okay to go through tough times. And, and uh, you know, you just got to get through it. And, and you know, you're kind of always stuck in the middle, right? Everybody wants to get to the other side. Um, and, and I heard Sherry Cole yesterday talking about this. But, you know, as a coach, you're always in the middle, right? You're always you're always dealing with a kid that's in transition. And mm-hmm. um, those things are hard. High school's tough for, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I, I think for me, that's what I want to be known for. I want to just be that consistent uh, model that uh, they look back on. They're like, man, coach was a solid guy and he had my best interest at heart. Awesome. Awesome. Now, but before I let you go, I asked three questions of – everyone I have on. Uh, first question, what is something people would be surprised to hear that Justin Jones is bad at? Oh, man, what am I bad at? I would say that I am not very – I'm not a very good golfer. <laughs> so, <laughs> as a lot much of people. as I love playing the game, I'm not very good. Yeah, man, you know, I I love golf. I, li- I live here in Velma, and I live – I can walk to the golf course. So whenever we moved here this summer – I went every day, just about. Well, probably every other day, just to be fair. And I'm, you know, I'm never going on tour, but I love playing the game. I'm never the the guy that runs the golf course always asks me to be in in tournaments, and I'm like, man, I'd just be throwing money away because I'm not very good. You know, I mean, I'll 
I'll kind of fudge on my score a little bit, but you know, it's like, you know, if I miss that, if I miss a putt, I'm like, well, that didn't count. I, I'll throw another one down. You know, I mean, my personal score, you know, the score I'm always keeping myself looks great, but I'm like, man, if I played in the tournament, I'd be like in the D flat and probably at the bottom of the D flat. So I, I, well, I feel your pain on that one. Yeah, I, I've got to chat. My brother is a, uh, or my brother-in-law is a national champion golfer from OCU. So, oh man. Um, I, I knew I wasn't a very good golfer when he, when he, uh, uh, told my wife that, hey, you know, if, if Justin's going to play, he's going to have to play in the group behind us. So I was like, I mean, okay. I, I, I didn't cut the mustard there. Uh, that That is so disappointing when you play with somebody that's actually good and you think you're decent, <laughs> you know, and they're just smoking it, you know, straight down the fairway. And I'm, it's like, well, yeah, I, I even hate playing with kids anymore, you know, because it's like, you know, some kid, you know, I'm a former, you know, I was a stud in high school athlete, and you know, I, I get out there with these kids that are are golfers. You know, they're not the 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 super athletes, and they're just beating me left and right. And I'm like, ah, you guys go ahead. I'll move to another <laughs> hole. <laughs> All right, second question: If you could visit with any athlete or coach to pick their brain, past or present, who would it be? <laughs> Man, there, there'd be two two. Uh two guys that, that come to mind, um, you know, the, the first one, you know, obviously, uh, to sit down with, uh, coach Saban, I think would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, just to pick his brain and, and the things that he's been through. And that's, you know, that's pretty much a softball for you as far as it, it, from a coaching standpoint, you know, the athlete that I grew up, uh, always just admiring was a guy named Zach Thomas that, uh, oh, yeah. Played, mm -hmm. played for Texas Tech and then played for the Miami Dolphins. You know, he was a 5'11 uh, linebacker that, uh, you know, I, I, what's he, he's in the Hall of Fame now. And, mm -hmm. and uh, just a guy that, um, man, when I would watch watch him as a linebacker myself, uh, just like, man, I want to be like that guy. And how a guy like that, uh, coming from a, a small uh, community and, and getting in and walking on at Texas Tech and then becoming a, 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 a – a Hall of Fame NFL guy, um, I, you know, he's got to have some wisdom and in, 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 he's got to have a great story about going, you know, and overcoming some obstacles. So he would be the other one that I would want to sit down and really uh, talk with. Oh, yeah, man. Zach Thomas, he's one of those guys. He, he's, he's the story that you always tell kids that you can do it. You know, if this 100%. guy can do it, you can do it. But I just about bet he's probably one of the <clears throat> most – stubborn you know but he probably had to listen to people say oh you're too small you're not fast enough but he was a dude out there on the field you could tell he didn't he didn't care he was 5'11 he was probably tackling guys that were they could probably run over him you know he didn't care you know well he, he, he he's the great story of 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 the measurables don't matter right if you can yep. play ball you can play ball yeah 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 absolutely all right final question okay you're put on the spot and you have no choice but to sing a karaoke song What's that song going to be? Uh, probably Footloose. <laughs> all right. All right. You know all uh, the words uh, to it, or would you need the the little the, the words on the no, screen? No, I, I would still have to have the, the, the old teleprompter go in there. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably the one you can you can uh, probably sing off key and still uh, make it through there. So. Yeah, it still be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, man, I, I just want to say thanks for doing this. I mean, thank you for the hard work you put in and not just better – Oklahoma high school sports or Oklahoma high school football, but to, to better our kids, man. And, and good luck to you going forward. I appreciate you. Thanks. It's been fun to, 
to spend the last 30 minutes with you and i appreciate what you're doing I, these podcasts are awesome and uh being able to, to listen to different coaches and their stories and their thoughts, uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome. And we, we have a great brotherhood and a great profession, not just from football coaches, but uh, all athletic coaches. And, uh, you know, we, we have a, uh, a special opportunity um, and a great influence on the next generation of kids. And my encouragement to, to all those coaches out there is just keep doing what you're doing. I know we don't get paid well, and, and you know, there's a lot of obstacles, and, and, you know, there's a lot of parents that, that aren't always in our corner, but uh, we're making a difference in the lives of kids, and that's really uh, what we're called to do. And, and so my encouragement is just to, to have some resiliency and to keep our chins up and, and our shoulders back and just keep plugging it and doing uh, what we know is right for those kids. Big thanks to Coach Jones for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. Every Wednesday at 3.30, you can check out Not So Instant Replay exclusively on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page. You can also check out the Kenny and the Coaches website in the description, and if you're on X, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time. This episode was recorded on January 31st, 2024.